It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, March 10th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. The town of Paradise is losing their one and only hospital. Adventist Health made the decision to close, even after receiving over $100 million in compensation from insurance companies. More on how the city is grappling with the news ahead on the California Report. Then we've got a look at your weather forecast and waste management update. Tonight, something special to add some levity after nearly two weeks of difficult times. KVMR's Felton Pruitt takes us back to 1993 with a favorite interview of his. Felton spoke with record producer and self-described road mangler, Phil Kaufman, in this Blast from the Past interview. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. California is suing an Orange County city for deliberately violating state housing laws. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer has more. Attorney General Rob Bonta filed the lawsuit after the Huntington Beach City Council voted on Tuesday to continue a moratorium on applications for alternate dwelling units. Sometimes called granny flats, the secondary units often provide affordable housing for relatives or renters. Bonta said the city has been repeatedly warned it was violating state law. Their actions are brazen, blatant, egregious. Uh, willful and intentional. They are looking at the law, they know exactly what their duty is, and they're saying, we're not going to comply. This is the state's second lawsuit against the seaside city and could serve as a warning to other cities and counties that have dragged their feet on building more housing. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Throughout California, hospitals are being forced to reduce services and even shut down. For many, the pandemic created financial stressors that led hospitals to bankruptcy. But in Paradise, the company that runs the city's only hospital received millions in compensation from insurance after the 2018 campfire destroyed much of the city. Still, Adventist Health closed the hospital and in January of this year told city leaders it had no plans to reopen it. Marisa Endicott is a reporter with the Press Democrat. She reported on the closure of Feather River Hospital and she joins me now. Marisa, when the campfire burned through Butte County, you reported that firefighters chose to save Paradise's only hospital. Why was that a priority for them? Yeah, that was a really important priority for them because Adventist Health um, not only provided critical health care to the community in Paradise as well as the unincorporated communities on the ridge, but it was also the largest employer, accounting for about two-thirds of the jobs there. Um, So it was kind of a twofold reason to really prioritize um, saving that hospital. And so why did Adventists choose not to reopen Feather River Hospital? Basically, what Adventists said is that there just isn't the population to support a hospital there now, um, and that they were even considering downsizing before the fire. And now with the population less than half of what it used to be, they just don't see a path forward for the hospital. What about the millions of dollars that they received? Yeah. So, you know, they did receive well over $100 million in insurance, as well as an unknown amount from the trust that paid fire victims from PG&E caused fires. But when we asked them if that would be going back to paradise, they said that it would be going to a general fund instead and spread around the system. So they did not say that those funds will be put back into paradise specifically. And how are city leaders responding to this news? 
I think they're really disappointed with that news. Adventist has kind of slow walked its decision not to come back. As you know, they only really said recently that they were not going to be rebuilding the hospital. They emphasize that they're still going to be in the community and that they're going to focus on expanding their clinic and are open to the possibility of establishing an emergency room. But I think that a lot of residents and officials are a little bit wary given how sort of wishy-washy communication has been up until this point. And what does this mean for residents in Paradise who rely on it for care and work? How does this affect residents even beyond Butte County? Yeah, I think this is a big blow in a number of ways. A lot of the residents there are older. Um, it's always been a place that has drawn retirees. For them, healthcare is really important. Um, it's also, you know, a community that has had a lot of lower income residents, people with disabilities, people who really rely on accessible medical care to stay healthy. And so Adventists' decisions have a really big impact in paradise. But, you know, their choices have also had a really big impact to communities across the North Bay and California, you know, all victims that have been involved in the Fire Victim Trust. Basically, um, that's because the hospital was lumped in with the 70,000 individuals um, seeking compensation and their tactics, according to the trustees and lawyers, have really slowed down the already slow process of compensating victims. That was Marisa Endicott, a reporter for the Press Democrat. Thanks, Marisa. Thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2024 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. Stanford Healthcare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Reports Weekly Magazine. This week, they're launching a new series called Mix, Voices of Mixed Race Californians. The most common question that I got growing up was, what are you? I just never understood why, why can't you include all of me? You know, where do I fit in? Who do I identify with? I need all my mixed people to talk about it, express yourself, your perspective. I'm mixed and I'm proud of it. Being myself and having an awesome family. I have always been a mixed person. I wouldn't know how to think of myself otherwise, and I'm not planning on changing. <laughs> Sasha Coca and Marisa Lagos talked to mixed race Californians about growing up navigating multiple identities on this week's half hour magazine from the California Report. Tune in on your public radio station or download the California Report magazine podcast. And remember to tune in to your local public radio stations for the latest storm coverage. That's the California Report for Friday, March 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, Jim Bennett, Chris Beale, Catherine Monahan, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Izzy Bloom and Keith Mizuguchi. 
Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Erica Kelly. Our vice president of news is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. In the land of waste management, Nevada County says trucks are back on their normal pickup schedule. They plan to remain so next week as well. However, the county says if you have spoiled food waste and want to get rid of it before your trash service, there are two locations where you can drop it off this weekend, starting today until Sunday the 13th at 5 p.m. Drop-off location one is behind the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility at 950 Maidu Avenue, Nevada City. Location number two is the Peardale Chicago Park Fire Station number 57 at 18934 Colfax Highway. Now turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service. A warm storm system brings moderate to heavy rain with flooding impacts to rivers, creeks, streams, and roadways at elevations below 4,000 feet. Higher elevations will see snow and strong winds. The National Weather Service says another strong storm will affect the region early next week. UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain says the rain is landing on an already dense snowpack. Quote, all the rain that falls will become runoff and that's going to be a challenge. Swain adds that the foothills could see the worst small stream and river flooding, quote, because that's where you will see the maximum combination of heavy precipitation and intensive snow melt. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 36 degrees. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and a quarter of an inch possible. Saturday showers mainly after 10 a.m. with a high near 46 degrees. New precipitation between an inch and two inches is possible. Sunday showers with thunderstorms possible after 10 a.m. and a high near 49 degrees. Windy with gusts up to 20 miles per hour. A flood watch remains in effect for Nevada City, Grass Valley, and Sacramento Valley through Sunday morning. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight snow mainly after 2 a.m. with a low around 28 degrees. New snow accumulation of 3 to 5 inches is possible. Saturday snow before 11 a.m., then rain and snow with a high near 38 degrees. New snow accumulation of 3 to 6 inches is possible. Sunday, rain and snow with a high near 39 degrees. Snow for those mainly at high elevations over 6,000 feet. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 44 degrees. Saturday will be mostly cloudy with a high near 54. Sunday, showers with thunderstorms also possible after 11 a.m. and a high near 61 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. It's been a rough couple of weeks, so tonight we thought we'd add a bit of levity into the newscast. Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt takes us back to 1993 with a favorite music interview. Have you ever met a self-described rough-and-tumble stuntman mixed with one of the world's greatest storytellers rolled into one tattooed bundle of fun? Well, you're about to. Felton spoke with record producer and self-described road mangler Phil Kaufman in this Blast from the Past interview. You are tuned to the KVMR Friday Evening News. I'm Felton Pruitt. 
Next up, we're going to run you an interview that I did with Phil Kaufman back in 1993. We were sitting on Emmy Lou Harris's bus in San Jose when she was playing with the Nash Ramblers, and Phil was her road manager. He was also road manager at times for the Rolling Stones, Graham Parsons and the Flying Burrito Brothers, Etta James, Frank Zappa, and many more. Phil was a character, and he had just put out his book, The Road Mangler Deluxe, about his life as a road manager in rock and roll and country music. We sat down with Phil. Well, let me correct myself. I'm not sure Phil ever sits. You'll understand as we begin the interview with Phil Kaufman. Knock, knock. Come in. Hey, did somebody get the door there, buddy? Let's see who it is. Let's huh? see who. Come on hey, in, Uncle Waldo. Interviewing, in, interrupting my interview. It's President Clinton. Hi, Pres. Hey, Bill, could you hold on for just a second? We're doing an interview. I've never seen a naked president before, have you? Felton, that was good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Felton is now reading from a brochure for the Road Magla Deluxe, the most easily forgettable fool you'll ever meet. Now Take is, it, Felton. Is this the new book? That's the only book. The only book. The only book. People have probably been coming up to you all, all these years giving you money not to write a book. And they so, have indeed. And you finally decided to write one anyway. As a matter of fact, on one of Roseanne Cash's albums, she has a special credit to Phil Kaufman, which says a special thanks to Phil Kaufman for not showing up at any sessions. <laughs> a wise woman. And yes, a wise woman indeed. Folks, um, even though I've written a book, uh, right now I'm unemployed. So until that, you know, you all get out there and buy that book, I'm really up the creek without a road. If you're looking for work, his resume reads, uh, Emmy Lou Harris, Rolling Stones, Carlene Carter, Roseanne Cash, Rodney Crowley, to James Frank Zappa, Graham Parsons, Jonathan Richmond, Flying Breeder Brothers, Elizabeth Ashley, Vince Gill, Albert Lee, Mary, we could go on for a long time. AJ but... Masters, Devonals, Flying Breeder Brothers, Albert Lee, Marion Faithful, Southern Hillman, Fear, Joe Cocker, Pinto Bennett, the famous Motel Cowboys, and then Emmy Lou Harris, Nash Ramblers, and Marty Stewart. Well, probably most of the people out there are really wanting to know about your time with Pinto Bennett. Well, uh, Pinto Bennett and I did some good time together. He got a year and a half, though the charges were dropped. On here it says you're also a crafty gypsy, a rough-and-tumble stuntman, and one of the world's greatest storytellers rolled into one tattooed bundle of fun. Well, I wrote that, so it <laughs> well, must, be, must be true. Yeah. <laughs> did I spell everything right? Now you're uh, back on tour with Emmylou Harris. I am indeed my favorite lady in the whole world, Miss Emmylou Harris, who's a great singer, a great person, and a very poor judge of uh, road managers. And uh, how things going so far? Man, if it got any better, I'd explode. I'm having such a good time being back here. After being in Europe for four years, I was over to terrorizing the Europeans. And, uh, and what I, and part I, of Europe were you terrorizing? Uh, England, mostly. I was working in film and TV as a male model. Of course. Of course. And, uh, but doing character parts as a male model. This body's not for sale. Dead air, dead air, was, quick, dead air. Get... But we're back. Do you know anything about the new Emmylou album, and can you possibly tell us I anything know, about it? I know a lot about the album. It's round. It's got a little hole in the middle, There's and it's chipped vinyl. We had uh, Oral Roberts' record, but we had to return it because the hole kept healing. <laughs> yeah, that's an old one. Yeah, but so am I. Yeah. <laughs> so there, I was there when it first came out, buddy. Yeah. Tell us about um, how did, how in the world did you end up becoming what is known as a road manager? I mean, was this like I'm some road mangler? Mang well, yes. Right, right. <clears throat> well, it started when I uh, worked for the Rolling Stones doing Beggar's Banquet and Let It Bleed. And then I met a fellow named Graham Parsons who was living with Keith Richards, etc. And they did their first album, the the Gilded Palace of Sin. And they were going on the road. And Graham said, "Would you be a road manager?" I said, "Well, what does a road manager do?" He said, "Well, basically, what you do with the Stones is keep it together, keep everybody." You know, laugh at it and get the money. Yeah, keep us on the road. You manage the road. So I went out as a road manager by myself. I did the laundry, I did the press, drove the truck. Uh, I said, geez, no wonder people don't do it. This is a dumb job. And we were doing a show with the, with the birds. It was a shootout with the birds. 
in uh, Boston, and they and the Jimmy Sider, their road manager, had these guys running around lifting things and moving. I said, what are they? He said, they're roadies. I said, well, where do you get them? <laughs> so you give them money and they move things. I said, wow, what a great concept. And ever since then, I've been moving people and not equipment. <laughs> so roadies were invented in what year? Well, I, mean, I don't know. They were invented before me, but I didn't know they existed. But I didn't know. I, did. I lifted everything, plugged everything in, did a sound check, did the laundry. I said, what a dumb job. I said, nobody wanted then God invented roadies, and I, and I stuck around. So you just coordinate the roadies. I do. I do, I do. Now here we are in 1993. What has changed well, since, it's, from then it, to I, now? I've, done, I've just celebrated a quarter of a century of road mangling. And, and the, uh, the, you can tell the road is mangled it's, from wherever. Uh, it's, I've, left, yeah, <laughs> I've probably got the world's greatest collection of little soaps. Now that I've been around, uh, I'm starting to return the towels from the hotels I stayed at before getting new ones. So instead of doing my laundry, I just return the towel if I stay at a holiday and get a new one. What's the biggest challenge being a road mangler on the road in 1993 now? Sobriety is back, <laughs> and I voted no on it. So it's I'm, a real drag. It's really, it? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's too many sober people backstage these days. Who gave you the name road mangler? I did. I did. I was. Uh, I was years ago. I used to, you know, instead of talking to people, I used to punch them and push them away. But that's those are those days. When people were doing drugs, I know they don't do that. I know the world is free, drug-free now. I never did like cocaine. I just like the way it smelled. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't do that anymore. Anymore. Anymore, he anymore. says. On the resume, uh, let's see. What is uh, Executive Nanny Human Trombone? <laughs> <clears throat> well, Frank Zappa has a video out called Baby Snakes. And I was his road manager back in those days. And uh, he was doing a song he used to do called King Kong. And there's a long, long instrumental with the band, and Frank sits on stage and drinks espresso and smokes cigarette. And he looked over and saw me, and he pointed at me and said, come on out of here. I said, well, me? Yeah, you. I got out there, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, Phil Kaufman, the human trombone. Take it, Phil. In the book, Road Mangler Deluxe, Phil Kaufman writes, When the Stones were recording Country Honk for the album Let It Bleed, they wanted an authentic country fiddle, and they asked me, who should we get? Well, I asked Graham Parsons, and he said, Byron Berline. So we flew Byron in from Oklahoma City to LAX. Byron looked like he, what he was, an ex-linebacker from Oklahoma. We then went to Electra Records, and then to get the right atmosphere, the uh, Stones wanted an outdoor sound. So we put a chair outside the studio where Byron played the fiddle part to Country Honk, while the Stones were doing their parts inside. For good measure, I hired a girl to drive up and down the boulevard honking her horn. After Byron was done, I put him on a plane bound back for Oklahoma. It was a pretty good day's work for a country boy. So uh, there's the story of why that has those cars and those honking in the background there. Uh, country honk from the Stones. You probably have a, a very unique aspect on, on this lady that we're here listening to tonight. What do you think Emmylou Harris has meant to country music? I think she's the best thing that's ever happened to country music. She's she's such, such character, and she's got so well respected. I mean, I mean, those characters don't make good singing, but it don't hurt. She, I mean, she's just she's just good. You can I don't know if you can hear in the background, but she's just always done it her way, and uh, she's won a lot of awards, and she sold her records, and she's never compromised. And but her music is still good and valid, and she's a musician's musician. People who join her band want to be with her. It's not a gig. Like some, some other musicians might, you know, the hired gun. People want to play with her, and people play with her, they, she brings out the best of them. They want to play with her, and want to play well with her. And, uh, and she's just always had some great musicians around her who have gone on, a lot of them to do, you know, solo performances and, 
And also, she's always asked to sing on a lot of records. You hear a lot of records yeah. nowadays, and Emmy Lou's, you know, may not be selling, but damn, there she is, you know, singing with somebody she cares for, and she'll go and sing with them. She yeah. loves that. I know she was very into the uh, Nancy Griffith project. Yes, she was, and uh, we, uh, she and I went to the McGarrigals the other night, sisters, in Toronto, and uh, she, they had us both crying. For a lot of the people out there that are, have come across Graham Parsons over the years from CD but weren't around back in his day, can you just uh, share a little bit about what he was all about and meant? He still did. Graham was uh, the, the innovator, I think, of the, the so-called country rock. Graham, Graham was brought up in the country, uh, but he was, he was, he was a well-to-do, well-educated boy, but he, he had the country soul. and he, we were the first people to ever play the long hairs to play the Palomino. He said to us, I want to play the Palomino. That's in North Hollywood, the old Palomino. And that, and that was, was that taboo was, back then? That, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing, nothing, if you had, didn't have a haircut, you couldn't get in the door, let alone get on the bandstand. And Graham was the first guy. We, they let us play on, I think it was Wednesday nights when the, when the house band was off. And we, we, played, we played for, uh, for drinks. And at the, end of, at the end of the night, we'd owe them $120. Because <laughs> we, we, we drank more than we earned. Uh, but I mean, Linda Ronstadt would come out, Peter Townsend came out, Russ Stones would come out. People would come out to hear us play and sit in. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then to the day that Tommy, Tommy Thompson, who was the owner of the uh, Palomino, died, my name was on the door. He says, if Phil Coffin comes by, he's in. I mean, because he knew that we had brought that kind of music and he let us in there. And good, good for him and good for country music. And Graham was the, Graham was the innovator for that. And of course, he, he was with Emmy Lou and... And you ask any old country artist today, they, they know they know Graham Parsons. You want to tell us about your book? Oh yes, the book. Let me hold up the uh, the, the cover. See yeah, that, hold folks? it close to the mic. Now. Oh, it's close to the mic. Okay. It says it's a picture of me. Uh, it says the most unforgettable character you'll ever meet. That's corny, but we, it was we took it from Reader's Digest because you know I won't make Reader's Digest. <laughs> so you know that thing that's the most unforgettable. It's usually a guy who's painting. You may own it someday, yeah. though. Yeah, but I won't read it. <clears throat> and it's the. Uh, it's about my, 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 with Graham, the music business, the film business. Being in prison, I got, I was one of those marijuana felons back in the 60s. I got five years. I, I deserved it. I did all that time. <laughs> I'm proud of it. And, uh, and I, I produced a record by Charles Manson. Uh, and I, you know, a lot, there's a lot of, my guy go way back. One of the things that Phil Kaufman is most famous for is stealing Graham Parsons' dead body in his casket from LAX and driving it out to Joshua Tree and burning it. Here's part of that story. The back page of this pamphlet, I was uh, shocked almost to see a reference to the time you were fined thirty dollars for stealing a box of wood. <clears throat> yeah, they, they when we, we when we stole the body, they uh, they took us to court and they said that the body had no intrinsic value. They they charged us for stealing the the, the uh, uh, casket, and I said to the judge, "Well, I know that I would take it to meet and left the box." And uh, and then when the judge sent me, they gave us probation. He said to me, "He said, all right, you know the condition of probation?" I said, "I, I think I do. I can't steal a body for a year." And he said to my like, get that ass out of here. <laughs> so, but it was a deal. Graham and I had made a deal. <clears throat> we had been at Clarence White's funeral. Clarence, Clarence White, the guitar player at the Birds, had been, had been hit by a car, drunk driver. Graham and I went to the funeral. It was a very, one of those very religious funerals that Graham didn't want to have that happen to him. So we made a deal, a drunken deal. Whoever dies first would promise you know, to take the, the survivor's body. Survivor would take the dead guy's body out to the desert, mm-hmm. have a few hundred drinks, and... Uh, and burn it, and he did. He died, and I did. Why Joshua Tree? That was his spiritual uh, <clears throat> epicenter. I think he, he felt he, whenever he died out there, for one thing. <laughs> but it was this place where he used to go to to get away from it all. And he never came back that time. Actually, when when we when I lit the body, we had poured we had poured um, 
five gallons of high test on him because I didn't want him to ping. When I lit the, lit the body, it made a big whooshy noise as it grabbed all the oxygen and actually his ashes went up as, as like a little dust devil, went straight up into the, into the atmosphere. It just split up, it was very cosmic, man. Well, uh, you know, I, I got to admit, you are probably one of the best interviews anybody could ever want to sit down and, and share well, a microphone with. Well, thank you. Listen, when the book comes out and I'm a big star, I won't forget you, Bob. <laughs> Thanks a That's lot, Bill. That's two always, isn't it, Bob? Thanks a lot, two Bill. Okay, Ralph. Fat Music with Phil Kaufman, The Road Mangala. That's our newscast for this Friday, March 10th. KVMR wants to hear how our community came together during this most recent emergency. How did you help someone else during this winter storm? Do you have a tale of a neighbor coming to your aid? Call the Kindness of Strangers hotline at 530-264-4160 and leave your story after the beep. Keep it under three minutes if you can so there's room for everyone. Once again, the number to call is 530-264-4160. KVMR gets support from Scraps Dog Bakery at Mountain Mutts. Family-owned for 18 years, providing cat and dog wellness needs, including holistic organic food, training accessories, toys, also fresh bakery. Scraps Dog Bakery at Mountain Mutts, next to BNC Hardware, Grass Valley. And Four Paws Animal Clinic, Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions. On Searles Avenue, Nevada City, fourpawsac.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend and stay safe out there.